1: Outfielder for your Chicago Cubs. That's why playing at Wrigley is, is the best. Chicago and uh, and the Cubs faithful, they are incredible. They keep us up every single day. In the air,
0: center field. Alford back. Turn in, Ian Happ. Get out the tape measure for Ian Happ.
1: What would you think about trying to do a quarantine coffee?
0: Dinger dollars for everybody, Ian Happ.
1: We'll touch them all. Cap is a strong man. He hit that one where the big boys hit him. Hair looking so good. That's crazy. So good. Host of the Compound Podcast. This was something that was grinding my gears a little bit that I wanted to get out there. My mother could not watch opening weekend. Oh. She couldn't watch the opening game. She couldn't watch yesterday. She couldn't watch today because she's in Columbus, Ohio. And Columbus, Ohio is too close to Pittsburgh for her to get MLB TV. So what is she supposed to do? She's supposed to get in her car and drive seven hours from Columbus to Chicago to go watch the game? Why are we keeping baseball away from
0: baseball fans? Ian Happ with Bernstein and Rahimi on The Score. Wow, new open energy there. Jordan Malley putting it together for Ian Happ, who's joining us. And yeah, you think, wait, wait, is this Thursday? What's going on? No, it's Wednesday. This is uh, best for everyone's schedule for this week. And Ian Happ is on Twitter at IHAP underscore one. And he joins the Bernstein and Rahimi show and the Alpamani Nissan hotline. Alpamani Nissan on North Avenue in Melrose Park at APNissan.com. What's going on, Ian? How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Good. We've got to get these bats going, man. We've we, we got to wake these bats up. It gets. I mean, it's. I, I can only imagine what it's like sitting there in the dugout watching it, but it just starts to get it, – it, the frustration really builds on itself.
1: It's very early. It's very early. We're five games in. Uh, we're going to go out there and try to win a series today, but the bats will be just fine. It's just everybody's got to be patient. got Everybody's got to take a deep breath. Don't start pressing. We're 10, 15 at bats in per person. Everything's going to be okay.
2: You sound very zen. But one thing that you guys have not been zen about is actually manufacturing offense and trying to manufacture runs. What do you think of the run game so far? The sacrifice flies. You with the bunt, just moving people over to get some runs on the board.
1: I think it's important when you're not uh, stringing together 8, 10 hits in a game. Um To be able to manufacture runs, uh we could have done a little bit better job i could I personally have could have done a little bit better job at points um in the last few days and um obviously we could have could have cashed in at least one yesterday but um you know that that 's part of the game when you 're not going good offensively from uh for a couple of days you have to be able to um produce runs and I think if you put our hit total on the board and said that 's three and two after five games with that hit total everybody'd be pretty happy.
0: Obviously the the tempers were flaring a little bit yesterday with Wilson oh. Contreras being hit again. Do you do you think that the Brewers are trying to hit people or is this just an issue of if you're going to throw inside you got to be more a little a little finer with uh, some of the the trajectories?
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody's trying to hit people. Um I think that the report on Wilson um I think if you see a guy – Pitch consistently up and in because that's that's the report. That's where um, the analytics have said that you have to you have to throw up and in either because he has a hole there or because it opens him up to sliders down and away or, or another pitch on the outside part of the plate. So if pitchers are going to throw on the inside lane or up and in, I mean, you do you have to be able to command it because there's no repercussions for guys throwing 95 mile an hour heaters off guys' heads or shoulders. Um, they're the ones in control. They're the ones with the baseball. As a hitter, you're just reacting to that. You're trying to stay in on a yes, changeup up or slider or whatever. Uh, and when it's coming kind of like a heat-seeking missile up and in at 95, it's just, you know, obviously Wilson got frustrated and you get hit in the head the night before and then back up and in again. Um, it's not cool. Uh, it's scary is what it is. And, and so I think that was the most of his frustration was just, um, you know, you hate to see that happen multiple days in a row.
2: The last time we talked to you, it was before opening day. You did warn everybody that it was going to be chilly. I sat in the seats. It was colder than I thought it was going to be. What was it like for you being out there? Not just the temperature and trying to stay warm, but also just having fans. Because I love hearing players talk about what it meant to have fans at their home ballparks back.
1: Yeah, um, really cold. Really, really cold. Uh, We've really lucked out with the weather since then. Um, And I just walked outside today it's ridiculously beautiful, but opening day was was frigid, but having fans back having um the energy uh, I know that Tom put out a pretty funny tweet after opening day that hey yeah we're we're a little rusty we're getting we're getting a little fired up about balls in the other batter's box, and so no, but good energy today. I think that was the funniest part for me was watching in center and seeing a pitch that's not even close. It's in the other batter's box, you know, with two strikes, called a ball, and the stadium erupting, just being really frustrated. Like, it was – the energy was off the charts. Um, Actually seeing people there, uh, you know, we got a little taste of it in spring training, but having that first anthem, having people around Wrigleyville um, after the game, it's been uh, pretty cool.
0: Got a kick out of your rant that we uh, played coming in regarding the uh, inability for people in some markets to see the games that they want to see. And already the response to that 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 we're seeing on Twitch and on the text line here, people saying, yeah, more of that. Tell the truth about that. Yet every time I try to unravel some of, of of this this mare's nest. I always get well actuallyed with somebody saying, you know, because the MLB app does this and or there is a carriage agreement with this particular cable company, it just makes my head spin when I hear all the explanations of it, yet your common sense conclusion seems unassailable. And that is why would baseball keep getting in its own way of disseminating its product to people? And there there's always answers as to why they're just not satisfying.
1: Yeah, no, they're they're definitely not satisfying. I think that um, a universal agreement across all of these cable companies that um, blacking people out in certain certain markets is not healthy for the game. It's not healthy for TV contracts going forward. Um, you know, the the bigger the game grows, the more fans we have, the more people that have access to watch the game and enjoy it and love it. Um, the bigger the TV contracts are going to be in the future, the the more viewership there will be. Um, more ads we can sell, I think, from a purely selfish monetary standpoint from the league and these cable companies, uh, blackouts still make no sense. Um, so, yeah, I have a personal connection to it that I have family uh, and friends that get blacked out of, of a number of our games. You know, When when we're playing in Pittsburgh and my 90-year-old grandmother that can't make it to the game because she lives 45 minutes away uh, and has a heart condition – she gets blacked out of our Pittsburgh game, that makes no sense. Like, how is, it, how is it possible that, or when we're playing Philly and she's too close to Philly, so she gets blacked out? Um, those, those things just make no sense. Uh, and, and there's plenty of people out there who wish they could get to the ballpark that can't. Um, and, and we should be helping those people watch baseball games. We should be making it easier for them to access instead of uh, impossible.
2: I think you brought up a really good point too, and you made an example and illustrated how WGN and the Cubs relationship is such a huge reason why people nationwide are Cubs fans. I feel that way about the Braves and TBS too, yep. and I think people forget that they forget why they became fans of teams nationwide, and it is that access.
1: That's correct. It is. Uh, it's obviously made a huge difference here. A huge difference here, and that's no knock on marquee because i think what Marquee's doing um from a content standpoint uh i think the the people that they have working at marquee how uh, much they've learned year to year how much they're trying to get content to fans and really be an all-access network for everything cub i think that they're doing a great job and it's absolutely no knock on marquee but marquee wouldn't be here without WGN, you know, WGN is what laid the groundwork for this amazing fan base that demands more content that needs um, to see more Cubs action and wants to be ingrained more. Um, And so uh, I just, I can't say enough about how important it is that we get as much content to fans as possible and make it as easy to access as possible. I think that's one of the things that you've seen as the baseball media space has grown is the the places that are making sure that they're putting out a ton of content and, and making it easy to access are the ones that are the most successful through all of sports, and the ones that are making it really difficult as MLB has for years uh, and they're they're starting to learn and get a little bit better but there was a, there were years there where they were ripping home run highlights off YouTube, and that didn't help grow the game at all.
0: We need to talk about a teammate of yours who, uh, over whom we are a bit smitten on this show, and that's Andrew Chafin, because when I when I see him walk out with that 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 pure nineteen seventy five stash that he's got going, he he looks like relief pitchers used to look. That's what a relief pitcher is supposed to look like. That's what a Cubs relief pitcher that I grew up with looks like. And then we're kind of thinking, well, you know, is he in on the bit? Then we start watching his YouTube channel. Oh my God, is this guy a thing? Did you? Did, I mean, he's he's like a, a, a Renaissance sort of like redneck Leonardo da Vinci. It's 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 amazing the the skills this guy has. Is he really as much fun as as this the the, the character building channel might show?
1: He is. I'd like to first start by saying we have a pretty country strong bullpen. Uh, between Kimberl, Tapara, Workman, Rex Brothers, Chafin, like we have, our bullpen's pretty country. Um, but I'm glad that you shouted out Chafin's YouTube channel. Um, He's all in on this YouTube channel. He got him. So I think. I think the first episode might have been about uh, remodeling his boat. Is that correct?
0: Oh, it's a little bit of everything. He's got a. He's got like a, a a swamp boat. He's got a combination jet ski and John boat. He has remodeled trucks, and i trying to remember what else he does. He's got excavators. He's, like, making ponds and lakes, and now he just bought a boat sight unseen in Chicago that he's going to yeah. turn into some sort of, 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 of salmon uh, charter.
1: Yeah, so some of our some of our players here in Chicago have uh, some pretty impressive boats, and Andrew Chapin, sight unseen, got himself uh, a real fixer-upper, I think, is what I've heard. Um, and so he's going to... I think he might actually sleep on it a few nights in the summer, but he also uh, is dedicated to fixing it up and showing the fans that on YouTube. Um, I am very excited to see how that goes. Uh, I'd like to continue to pump his YouTube channel, maybe have him on the podcast and talk about it. He is exactly who you think he is. There's no skit there. This is, uh, this is true Andrew Chafin. He's got a nasty sinker. Okay, throwing 90, 92 to 95 out of the pen from the left side, and he's doing a lot of fixing up of random objects. That is Andrew Chafin.
2: Um We need him on our team, our media team, like you, me, Dan. We Is there any way that we can pitch to him, or can you help with a pitch? I feel like we need to be the Miami Heat of trying to get people together on the Cubs, on our team, and we need that guy.
1: I mean, I think you start you start getting him going about fixing up boats or half-jet ski
0: pontoon things, you'll you'll hook him.
2: <laughs> well, you put in a good word for us. I will. Okay.
0: I just love the way he described it. He's like, well, I had a jet ski in the shed that a guy who was in the repo business said, you want it? I was like, of course I want it. And I had a John boat, so I figured we'd slap a bunch of metal together and make a John boat jet ski. Thing. Just The idea that his brain would work with nothing better to do to start welding things together is just cool. Yeah, he's a he's a beauty. <laughs> uh,
2: I also have a question. I love Joe from Obvious Shirts. Uh, I started to notice their work back in about 2017. And I love the shirts that you guys are doing that are manager, vendor, just all the Obvious Shirts. I think I need a broadcaster one. How can we help uh, with the Obvious Shirts collaboration? I love what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, it's been super fun uh, to get to know Joe. Obviously, he's uh, started this thing from the ground up, just being a fan of the bleachers, and it's grown to something that's pretty impressive. And I I think uh, as players, when we can support um, fans that that really care about Chicago Cubs baseball and care about Wrigley and care about um, giving something to the fans that's going to connect them more to the team, I I, I think that whole part of it's been really cool. Obviously, we've worked with him with the podcast and with uh, Connect, roasters um, and then with the stuff on the field, it's been really special and I think that um, the more that we can get out there and provide shirts that the fans love that the players are also wearing that connection um, to the city, it goes a long way and it's super important for us to build that And, and I talked about this on a podcast I did yesterday but when Wrigley Field is at its best it feels like from the manager to the guy on the mound to the center fielder to the vendor in Section 220, every single person in that stadium is pulling for the same goal. Um, and that's what makes Wrigley such a special place is that every single person of the 40,000 people in attendance all want the same exact outcome. Uh, and it, like it's really felt in the air and that's kind of i think joe has really captured that at obvious Shirts that uh everybody is trying to pull in the same direction
0: it's interesting that you talk about the community like that it's and that that's echoed in how you talk about baseball and content and and building that sense of community there's always been something unique about wrigley field and i and i don't want to wax all romantic about it because that's not really my style But I always get back to what Len Casper said for years that he felt that there's something about Wrigley Field that amplifies emotion in both directions. That everything that that bad things feel worse, good things feel better. That there's something about that building and the history of that building and and the shared ethos of of Cubs fandom that just does that. And I and I totally agree. I can't explain why, and I don't know if that transfers to players as well. But there's no question that 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 building is indeed an amplifier of feelings.
1: It's not easy to put your finger on it. I, I don't know if it's because it's in the middle of a neighborhood. I don't know if it's because um, the fan base is so um, enthusiastic and, and cares so much. I don't know if it's because the winters are so bad and it makes everybody so excited to be outside in 70-degree weather. Um, it's really hard to put your finger on, but it's um, it's different. And I think that the one thing that I've really noticed uh, and tried to be kind of aware of this year. We kind of walk out a different way. And um, the every staff member, whether it's vendor security, ticketing, you we kind of see more of these people and you start to recognize faces. five years now for me, you start to recognize faces. These people are so excited to come to work every day and be a part of what we're doing and their dedication to the Cubs even after taking a full season off is what makes this thing churn every day and what lets us go out and just play baseball and their pure excitement and happiness, uh, after a cub win and the things that they say to us on the way out of the building, uh, it does, it's, it doesn't go unnoticed. And I don't, I don't think the players take it for granted. It's really, really special. And I don't think that that is like that at every stadium. I don't think that the, vendor in the upper deck cares as much about the team winning on a daily basis as the community at Wrigley. And these people that have been doing it for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 seasons, like that is a very, very special thing here um, that I think permeates the fan base and also the product on the field.
2: It sounds so sublime. So I have to ask you now this. As much as you love Wrigley, at what point do you feel better as an outfielder when the Ivy grows in during the season? Oh, what month are guess, we at where yeah. you feel a little more confident about what's behind you?
1: It, it it never gets soft, I'll tell you that. The the bricks never go away. Um, but the, the ricochets off the wall uh, are a little bit less scary. I think you know it's it's funny having a couple of outfielders that are new out there because um, we haven't had that for a little while uh, and getting to kind of talk through the wall and and um, how dark it is in the outfield. I don't think the, that's one thing that people don't really realize is that there's no because it's a uh, neighborhood. And there's no lights in the outfield. You only have lights um, kind of on the infield and they shine towards the outfielders. So outfield super dark. And the ball is always backlit, so it's really hard to see spin, and it's really hard to see anything, actually, at night. Um, and just getting back to that uh, and seeing it for the first time in the last couple of days has been actually comical, <laughs> how dark it is. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the uh, when the ivy starts growing in, um, definitely looks a little bit different, but I, I would say that the, the wall is still not padded. <laughs>
0: Well, no, yeah. most most important uh, occurrence of the week is uh, Dinger Dollars. We got our for the Home Run Club got its first uh, infusion of Dinger Dollars thanks to that shot to center field. Are uh, you getting the sign-ups going with that? Yeah,
1: I'm glad I could help out with uh, five Dinger Dollars to start week one. Um, we have we're over 400, headed to 500, almost halfway to our goal. Um, the the, uh, the website's either Home Run Club dot Coffee. Or uh, you can just go to ConnectRoasters.com and, and sign up. But the, the participation has been awesome. Uh, I was able to send a video out to all of the members and uh, write um, my note to everybody. So I'm um, super excited for that first shipment of coffee to go out. And then um, hopefully we can kind of sneak over that 500 number and head towards 1,000.
0: All right, I've got my FanDuel Sportsbook app open here looking at the Masters odds, and there might be a couple of real good value bets on here. So I would say I'm going to ask you for your actual pick of who you think is going to win, and then I want to know where where maybe your your long-shot money would go because uh, you, you get long shots in the Masters. Favorites generally don't fare all that well.
1: That's true. Um, wow. it's a great question. Uh, long shot, I'll take Joel Damon long shot. Uh, if, uh, he shows up and plays great, that'll seem like an amazing pick. Um, I'm going to go, man, I, I I don't want to just say DJ to say DJ, but I just always really like his game. It's just so steady.
0: What do you, who do you think? What are what are your picks? You know, it's a I as much as I can't stand Patrick Reed and I openly root against him. He's just always in this. You know, I just I, I my I always want my the, somebody that I like who hasn't won a major to win a major. And whether that's Tony Finau or whether it's Shoffley, I know. I think Rom just had a baby, so might be a little bit distracted. But otherwise, he'd be an easy pick. I just, I, I, I tend to want, you know, like Ricky Fowler or somebody like that to have their their little Sergio Garcia kind of moment. I,
1: I think uh, Finau's a great pick. Um, Big Finau fan would love to see him win it. Uh, That would be. That would be a feel good pick for me. Obviously, Joel Damon, friend of the pod, would be a great one too. But uh, I just I love DJ's game. I can't
2: I can't step away from that. I think he's got the lowest odds to win. Maybe yeah, not the best player. money, but you know he's. I mean he's he's probably winning the thing. So I think that's fair all around.
0: Yep. Ian, good health and uh, many more barrels and more dinger dollars. Always appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thank you, Ian. Hey. That's Ian Happ of the Chicago Cubs on the Bernstein and Rahimi Show. We will come back and get everything started, get this whole engine revved up, talk a little bit of baseball, and we've got some pretty special golf talk coming your way at 10, too. We'll tell you everything that is coming your way next on The Score. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.